Welcome back to love, leadership, and liberation. So excited to have you here. Hello, my sweet. Hello, my sweet. (laughs) (laughs) How's your heart feeling this morning? It is feeling (laughs) much better than last night. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like last night... So just for, just for reference, Justin and I, we both don't, as it stands right now in our lives, we don't drink alcohol and we use plant medicine for, you know, usually like ritualistic ceremonial kind of experiences as, as you would say and psychedelics and, and things of that nature. But we, we don't really, we, we don't recreationally use substances you know very very often that is and Justin and I both used to smoke a lot of weed in our younger days and last night we were like oh like what if we just like smoked a little bit of weed and (laughs) (laughs) and both of us I mean I I was basically just like napping while you made dinner but you got into like a very curious headspace yeah I I just it was almost as though I forgot how to be me. Mm. It's like I, I just, I was thinking about that this morning. It was like the the patterns that I normally exist in, it was as though I just forgot how to exist in the world, how I like to exist in the world. Yeah. Um, in the way that works for me. And I just ended up being in these weird, like, ruminating states and getting kind of just pulled emotionally and Mm. mentally into, into different areas. Um, yeah, when it was, uh, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and we were kind of chatting about how in our younger, younger days, you know, smoking weed was like a very like disassociative experience, you know? And I know for me, especially like it was this way of like leaving my body, leaving my mind and just like not, it was kind of like a numbing agent, you know? And I think that now because of who we are and, you know, the, the, the way that we are oriented within our body and our mind and our spirit, that feeling of disassociation or like disruption is deeply unsettling and I think we both (laughs) have like really acknowledged that you know looking at weed as a plant medicine because it is versus a thing that you just do for fun is like a much better approach because we were chatting about in bed last night how you know had you been going through some of the mental thought loops that you were having, let's say if you were on mushrooms, you would have had like a different relationship with your experience. But because you had smoked weed, there was still this association with it being this like fun thing. And you weren't necessarily prepared for the experience that it was bringing up for you. And so I think that that was just like a deeper invitation to like really respecting Mm -hmm. the plant and like what it has to offer because it is a beautiful tool yeah. If you're using it in a way that is the same kind of way that you would use a psychedelic therapy session, you know, yeah. for that like internal self-reflection and curiosity, but yeah. you know, just smoking some weed and trying to cook dinner and live your normal life. I mean, clearly that is just not the vibe anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, if I were to have been in that state and I had created some sort of container for it, it would have been a useful state. Like it would have been an interesting shift in my reality. Um, And like looking at it now, sort of now that it's like out of my system, I'm like, okay, there was some stuff that I learned and there was something to gain from that. But I consumed it just being like, oh, it's just going to feel good. Mm. And I'm going to just do everything that I normally do and I've realized like okay no I I prefer to be sober doing the things that I normally do yeah because like (laughs) we were chatting last night about how it'd be like taking mushrooms and expecting that you're just gonna like be the same it's like absolutely obviously fucking not you know and so 
valuable lessons and just very uncomfortable experiences, which leads us into our conversation today where we're going to be diving into a really delicious conversation about discomfort. And I'm so excited to chat about this because you and I both established very early on in our relationship some of the values, our personal values, and also mm-hmm. the relationship values that we hold within our, the container of our partnership. Yeah. And one of those values is growth. And, you know, an, an inevitable part of growth is discomfort, you know, yeah. because growing is fucking uncomfortable. I mean, even think when you were a kid and your physical body was growing yeah. and you'd get these physical growing pains and you're like, yeah. oh, why can I just fucking stay small? <laughs> I don't want to grow. Wake up the next day, you're an inch taller. Yeah, you're like, ah, oh, feeling <laughs> on top of the world. And that's like such a good analogy for growth, right? It's like there's this discomfort, there's, you know, maybe some level of pain, but on the other side of it is, is mm-hmm. this rebirth. It's this beautiful experience. And, you know, I think that, we are going to, you know, probably go all over the place with this conversation. And I'll just say starting we're, um, you know, we're going to dive into like the brief kind of topic around the window of tolerance, but we're actually going to do a separate episode yeah. sometime in the future where we'll go deeper into yeah. the window of tolerance and polyvagal theory and, you know, go deeper into the more like science aspect of these conversations but we'll just kind of briefly touch on some of these things today um, and just know that if you're like, oh, I want to know more about that, we'll definitely create an episode in the yeah. future where we'll go much, much deeper. And I think first I just wanted to ask you, Justin, um, you know, what, what is your relationship with discomfort? Like, mm-hmm. what does that actually like feel like for you? And like, why do you value discomfort? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that my relationship with discomfort has shifted a bunch, uh, in recent years. I find myself most, I was going to say most comfortable with physical discomfort, Mm. but I guess that, yeah, I guess that is really it. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm best able to handle physical discomfort because those are, that's what I've put myself through the most in my life. I'm thinking about discomfort from sort of four perspectives Mm. Um, and this is how I think about a lot of things in Mm. life actually is physical mental emotional and spiritual Mm -hmm. and for me physical and mental are sort of the forms of discomfort that I can handle the best Mm -hmm. that I've exposed myself to the most right like I was a very physical kid when I was younger like did a lot of sports skateboarded a ton um just sort of did a lot of shit and I was also a very mental kid like you know I straight A's in school that kind of shit like mm-hmm. um a lot of thinking a lot of curiosity and when you expose yourself to um things that kind of push you outside of that comfort zone Mm -hmm. um you're really you're expanding your capacity to handle discomfort Mm. you're expanding your ability to hold the sensations that come with that discomfort and so like i'm curious what that's like for you Mm. yeah i mean i feel as though I experience, I've experienced so much discomfort in my life, you know, Mm -hmm. especially like if I look at my childhood and my adolescent years, like, you know, so much of my formative reality was deeply uncomfortable. You know, I experienced a lot of childhood trauma and a lot of bullying and, you know, abusive things and and so like my relationship with discomfort really started from this like early on part of my life where and you know I there's obviously like there's so much nuance in that you know of course no matter our our age we're gonna it's actually good for us to experience discomfort right Mm -hmm. but I think that the magnitude of the discomfort that I experienced based on those lived experiences as a younger person 
really created a lot of dysregulation in my nervous system and influenced my ability to feel safe in life because I was, you know, I was experiencing trauma and then therefore developed undiagnosed PTSD. And so there was a lot of things that happened way outside of my window of tolerance. Yeah. Caused so much dysregulation within my my body and my mind, which inevitably influenced my spiritual self. Yeah. And so I would say that in the past, you know, I'm 30 now. In the past 10 years, I've, it's been a massive healing process. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, I've always kind of been like this free spirit. Mm-hmm. Like I've always... Even, like, as a young person, you know, like, I left home at the tail end of being 16, turning 17, which I won't get into that whole, you know, that on yeah. this episode. But, you know, I, I moved across the country when I was 20 by myself. Like, I, there was, I've always kind of, like, put myself in, like, uncomfortable situations, but, like, have chose to follow my heart. So I, I would say that there's, like... Maybe like my my capacity for spiritual discomfort is really high mm-hmm. because when I look at pursuing my dreams and doing things that are like related to my vocation and my yeah. dharma, I'm like, okay, I'm fucking going for it. Yeah, like, like full steam, like nothing can get in my way and I can handle the inevitable discomfort that comes with choosing the unconventional path you know like I've been an entrepreneur now for many years and I I, you know I've lived all over Canada like there's just like that when my heart is involved my soul is pulling me towards something like I feel very confident in my capacity Mm -hmm. to handle it but I would say that and I would say that my mental my capacity for mental discomfort is pretty high because I feel like that's also kind of related to like the fortitude that's needed, like the mindset piece that's needed to really pursue what you want. Mm -hmm. But I would say that in, in my reality, because of my lived experiences with trauma and undiagnosed PTSD, which is now diagnosed and is being treated. And I don't resonate with the whole disorder part of it because I know what it comes from trauma, but uh, another <laughs> train of thought that does not res- yeah. we won't go down right now, but I would say that because of those experiences, um, you know, one of my trauma, like two of my main trauma responses or nervous system responses were the fawn and freeze response. And it was like my, my body's inability to regulate. And it, and I would say from that standpoint, um, there there's a lot of physical discomfort and emotional discomfort that I think those are the ones that I've struggled with the most. Well, and, and those can be tied together too, oh, right? Oh, for sure. Like you can, they are connected. You, yeah, you can very connected. easily mistake a physiological sensation for an emotion yes. and vice versa. Yes, and they feed back into each other. And I think that that's a part of this conversation that's so important too is that it's all connected. Like your body and your mind are not separate. Like mm-hmm. everything is intrinsically connected. And I would say that, you know, if I'm, if I'm speaking from the lens of like this exact moment, I would say that my capacity for physical and emotional discomfort has very much expanded. Like, because yeah. when we're talking about the window of tolerance, we're talking about your, the, the window in which arousal is within your your body that you can handle, that you can yeah. hold. Yeah, the range. The range of sensation. Yeah. And I would say that through breath work, cold exposure, <laughs> mindfulness practices, movement, like I have created systems that deeply support my capacity to hold the wide range of sensation that comes with that arousal in the body and in mm-hmm. the mind. And therefore, compared to even last year, my capacity for all of these different, like the this mental, spiritual, emotional, physical discomfort has all widened deeply. Yeah. And that's, that's really cool. And I think we'll get into more about like different ways that we can hold more discomfort. But yeah, yeah I would love to hear your reflections. Yeah, well... <clears throat> just reflecting on your expanded capacity. Cause I remember when we first started dating, 
and we were going to the gym a bunch. You actually like introduced me to the gym, which is fascinating to yeah. think now that it's like <laughs> yeah. such a huge part of my life. Yeah. Um, couldn't couldn't deadlift. Didn't know how to hinge. Didn't have any glutes. Yes. <laughs> and um, I just remember there was a period of time where when your heart rate would get really high, you'd get anxious. So like if oh, you were yeah. doing if you're doing any kind of like cardio or anything that like got your heart rate really high, like it would be, there would be this sort of, uh, I guess, not, not confusion, well, well, but like there would be like be... an association. Like yeah. my heart rate, my heart rate going high, I associated with having a panic attack because yes. I, I was experiencing yes. chronic panic attacks. And so to, to the moment my heart rate would get elevated my my mind had created a neural pathway of like that yeah. is a sign that I'm gonna have a panic attack and there yeah. were times at the gym where I started to have a panic attack because I was feeding into that sensation and the yeah. the story around that sensation and I want you to finish your train of thought and I'll kind of get into like ways that I actually overcame having panic attacks so I think that that's a really powerful example of expanding capacity for discomfort yeah. Totally. And, uh, I guess just circling back to me and my sort of, uh, shift, um, a big one for me is, has been expanding the emotional, Mm. um, capacity. (laughs) Hello, Jesper. One of our kitties. He wants to be part of the podcast. He's he's a, he's very vocal. He's very vocal. Um, and I think that a huge part of that has been our relationship. Yeah. And having difficult conversations mm. and being being open to expressing the things that come up when they come up. Yeah. Um, obviously with compassion, but um, putting ourselves in situations that are kind of uncomfortable. Oh yeah, well vulnerability is yeah. deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's a beautiful thing as well, you know, like being in an intimate relationship, like you for it to be sustainable. Like if you're if you're choosing the path of being in a conscious relationship, you need to learn how to be vulnerable. Yeah. Like that's just that's just a fact <laughs> but continue <laughs> yeah well and in life you need to learn to be yes vulnerable, <laughs> yes for sure yes um and then the the spiritual the spiritual discomfort piece i'm like i'm still trying to i was thinking about this earlier and i'm still trying to think of like what spiritual discomfort is is that just holding holding a big vision mm. and handling the sort of ups and downs that come with that or handling sort of like a crisis of faith or dark night of the soul kind of thing and that's those are the discomfort pieces Mm. well i think that well i think it's it's all of that and i think that it's going to be subjective right because everybody's relationship with their spirituality is going to look very different and I I do think that it's all of what you just stated and I think that simultaneously it goes back to that piece around how all of these aspects of our humanity are connected so like there's gonna be super like there's gonna be so much overlap in what is considered spiritual or physical or what's considered physical and mental like it's all connected I definitely feel like (laughs) that you know, spiritual discomfort is, yeah, the pursuing your dreams, pursuing your desires, you know, holding the wide range of, you know, existential questions Mm -hmm. that can come up about why am I here? What am I doing? Who am I? What do I believe? And especially if you're someone who's very fluid, like me in contemplation around like, what is life? What is what is, you know, yeah. it's you, you know, to be able to hold like, Oh, one day I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Like death, like the, even the conversation around death, I would say is like a spiritual discomfort. Yeah. And so being able to like 
you know, let's say you do psych, go to like do a psychedelic, like that's yeah. a spiritual, just that's spiritual yeah. discomfort. It's all of the above, all of the different types of discomfort too. Yeah. But it's, but I mean, you know, when we're having these deepening uh, of our consciousness, or we're going wider in our in our consciousness and our curiosities, being able to hold that maybe what you believe could be untrue like and like not and like mm-hmm. it's like the identity piece is true mm-hmm. it's like okay can I handle maybe being in a conversation where my faith is not I don't want to say question because I don't think we should necessarily uh you know step into the, like the realm of like shaming somebody for like the way that what they you think. believe is wrong yeah like I don't think that that's correct correct way to like hold those kinds of conversations but let's say you're in a conversation with somebody and the way that they see the world or the way that they relate to consciousness or god is different than yours can you handle the discomfort of perhaps being challenged mm-hmm. in what you think to be true or yeah. feel to be true or you know know to be true whatever word resonates yeah and and the discomfort of perhaps standing up for your vision or perhaps yes. Maybe your vision needs to shift a little bit. You get convinced. Like, are you open? Are you open to having your mind changed? Yeah, and then that, that relates kind of back to like you know mental discomfort, and then all it's it's all it's yeah. just like this fucking it's a spiral. It's all yeah. super connected. Yeah, yeah, and I think a really big piece of like all of this conversation is awareness. Yeah. And is being able to recognize any signal that's coming from any of these parts of your of your being. Yeah. You know, and um, I'm curious what your journey with awareness has mm. been kind of like, because that might be a nice way to kind of lead into you know, talking about window of tolerance more and kind of, Mm. um, yeah, going a little deeper. Yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, I had my first spiritual awakening when I was 20. And what did that look like for you? Well, that was this. So basically what had happened was I was in like a really abusive relationship and I had spent, you know, years from basically the age, like, 12 until being 20 Mm -hmm. dealing with what you know was called depression and deep anxiety which again I'm not I'm not saying that those things don't exist but my experience was they were those were symptoms of trauma yeah like they weren't disorders they were symptoms of trauma yeah and that's something that I feel very convicted in I believe that a lot of uh, again keyword a lot of not all yeah mental health challenges come from unresolved trauma and also there's hormonal stuff there's like there's a a lot of shit that I feel like you know is not talked enough about that can create these symptoms so anyways I had experienced depression and anxiety and my doctor had told me that I had a mood disorder and that I'd be on medication for the rest of my life and I don't remember the exact, exact fucking moment that like I had this epiphany, but it was this, it was more of like a process. Like I started to, uh, I started to work at this place called Pita Pit in my hometown and it was like, started eating healthy. Like I started to eat food that was actually like alive, like rich <laughs> in nutrients, you know? Mm-hmm. And from that place, I started going to the gym because I was started working with a couple women who worked out and I was like, okay, so the majority of my meals were now healthy, fresh food. I started going to the gym and all of a sudden I started to feel different, you know, and I'll, I'll say also like I used to be an athlete, like as a child and in my early teens, like I was an athlete. And then when I went through a massive loss, which was my grandfather's death, who was my father figure and he was my best friend, it like, I completely lost faith in everything. Like I shut down and went into a deep, deep, deep depression. 
and literally went from like being raised Catholic to being like, I'm fucking atheist and like nothing exists and matters. <laughs> the, the, the typical kind of yeah. transition for a lot <laughs> yeah. of young people. Exactly. <laughs> and so anyways, I started, yeah, I was eating well, I was exercising and I became, and because I was nurturing, nurturing my body, my physical vessel it was like my spiritual essence started to come alive. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember like I started to get really curious about like the chakra systems and like started to get really curious about like, oh, like what if everything is everything? Like what if consciousness and like what if God is consciousness? Like what if I am God having a human experience? What if I'm consciousness remembering itself? Like I started to have these really interesting thought processes and then I through I started losing a bunch of weight because I was also pretty overweight at the time like before I started working at Pita Pit like I was I was just a very unhealthy person Mm -hmm. like I when I look at pictures of myself from back then which are very far and few in between like just a very deeply hurting person and as I started to lose weight and started to like eat well and all of these things, I started to become more confident and I started to feel <laughs> alive. And the thing I had realized was the medication I was on, like it was, I, it wasn't actually like it helped me in my earlier days yeah. not leave the earth. Like I was, you know, experiencing suicidal ideation and, and thoughts and things of that nature. And so like it did serve a purpose and like helping me, you know, momentarily temporarily get out of that deep you know dark experience but I was at a point where I was like this is literally just making me feel nothing like it's it's just like I'm not really happy I'm not really sad I'm just kind of in this weird like flat flatness yeah and because I was exercising I was actually starting to like feel like glimmers of what life could feel like if I was really happy Mm-hmm. And so I left my abusive relationship and I ended up getting off the medication I was on. And, you know, <laughs> this is like a, I'm going to try and keep this short because, you know, there was a huge window after that where I went into massive disassociation mm-hmm. um, because of the trauma and the things of, that I was going through and had gone through. But then I would say it was like maybe... I don't know, age 24. Yeah. I started to just like continually deepen this connection to like meditation and I was exercising a lot and I was, you know, really into dancing Mm -hmm. and like moving my body in these other ways. And so that really started to develop even deeper when we started to get together because you were a massive catalyst to my healing, you know, you were the first, when I'm, when we got together, especially as our relationship deepened, you know, I would, cause we, we became very, the first part of our relationship, we took things pretty slow. Like we, you know, we'd only see each other like once a week, you ended up coming to the Island to do some work and, we had like a lot of distance in between us while we were, you know, emotionally connecting deeply. We, we weren't like with each other all the time. Yeah. But then I would say like by like six, seven months in when we like, we're like, we're moving in together. We like fell even deeper in love. Yeah. And my heart just started to feel really open. And I was like the first time in my life that I felt safe Hmm. and your, the container that you were providing for me, created so much safety and so much grounded security for me to go deeper into my own awareness, my own healing. Hmm. And I think that one of the reasons so much of my, you know, awakening emotionally happened was because it was like the first time in my life that I actually felt safe. Hmm. because if you remember when we first got together too yeah I really struggled to cry yeah and I would just like I couldn't I felt like I couldn't access 
my emotions because I was so disassociated. Disassociated. Well, and, and not to mention some of your previous partners were like, hey, don't cry. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, if stop you like... crying. Well, I had so much conditioning around being told as a kid and as an adolescent that I was like so dramatic yeah. and I felt like I was too much because like so much of my adolescent years, like because I was so unwell, you know, my mom was a single mom. Like it was a lot on her to hold me and mm-hmm. I love my mom so much. We have a beautiful relationship now. Yeah. Um, but we went through a lot of, like, it was fucking hard and it hurt a lot and had a lot of conditioning around being too much. I'm too much. My emotions are too much. It's not safe for me to feel. I won't be accepted. Yeah. And then I had partners where that was really <laughs> mirrored back to me of, like, yeah. you shouldn't cry. Don't cry. You're too much. Stop doing that. And so our relationship was this like completely new chapter of like what it means to be deeply fucking loved and held and supported and that it's safe for me to feel. And I like could soften so deeply into your love mm-hmm. and your, again, like the container that you held and hold is like, has been one of the most healing experiences of my entire life like I don't I know that I wouldn't be where I am right now without the love that you've provided me because without Mm -hmm. and this isn't a situation where I'm like I am nothing without you (laughs) that's not what I'm saying at all like I mean I'm sure I would have figured my shit out eventually but it was a catalyst it was a catalyst because it was like oh I I can really go there I can really start to look at these things in my life that have hurt me, that have caused me harm because I knew that I could be held in your love Mm -hmm. and that it, it was like, because we're such mirrors for each other, it was like your capacity to hold me with such compassion and such love helped me then learn how to hold that within myself. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like your love for me showed me how I could love myself. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that's beautiful. And I I love that I was able to be that for you. And at the same time, like it it was a huge opening for me as well. Um, Because I'd never really been in a long-term relationship. Mm. And we, we went deep quick. And there was a lot of learning Mm. at the beginning. Yeah. A lot of understanding how we relate to each other and yeah, holding, holding a lot of emotion because when the emotion came, it came a lot. (laughs) For sure. And because there was a lot to move through and work through and, um, you know, I I am quite tapped in with my emotions. Yes. So that's and... something that's so beautiful about you. Like you're so connected. Mm-hmm. Like your capacity to feel is like one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Like I love it so yeah. much. Well, like whenever Yeah, I know I I I think it's a huge a huge piece of it is is my mom was and is super tapped into her emotions. Like, she's like the type of person that will cry at a commercial. <laughs> and so are you. And so am I. <laughs> well, if I see if I see any dad content, yeah, I'm like, oh. yes. <laughs> yeah, it's um, <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful piece of who I am, and I like I, I just. I really enjoy being brought to emotion, mm. you know, and just like feel like, oh, there's a little tear in my eye, like at the beauty of the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love that about you. Yeah. So where do we want to go from here? Yeah, well, I feel like, you know, we've been talking about the different types of discomfort that can happen, you know? And I think that something 
that's been really powerful for me has been, and this actually was wisdom that I received from mushrooms mm. at the beginning of last year when I had a mushroom therapy session. And the mushrooms were like, Rachel, discomfort doesn't mean that you're unsafe. Mm. And that was such a powerful experience for me to hear and to receive that. And they, the other message they gave me was you can breathe through anything. Hmm. And for context, you know, I did this mushroom therapy session a week before my breast reduction surgery. Yeah. And that was, I did my mushroom therapy session too. Like it was like two days after we'd moved into our new house. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I was, I was really like, I knew that all of 2022, like, so last year, I knew that it was going to be a massive catalyst into a new life. Like, I just knew that, you know, yeah. if you're someone who's really connected to your intuition and your spiritual connection, you can really sense when things are happening, you know? And, and the interesting thing was, is like, you know, we, we briefly touched on this a little bit ago, but I had said that I have been having like chronic panic attacks for several years and what I had found was once I had my breast reduction surgery, it was a massive portal to like everything that I had suppressed in my life. Hmm. Um, I don't know how or why specifically, but there was something about having such a, a massive surgery that like, it was like I was physically cut open and I was like, it felt like every other part of me was just like cut open to like feel everything and it was through breath work and cold exposure uh and movement that I healed from my panic attacks yeah but it was like the discomfort that I was feeling I was like okay I need to find a new way to relate to my body. I need to find a new way to relate to the sensations that I feel. I need to find a new way to relate to the emotions I feel, the narratives that I'm telling myself or that I'm believing that my mind is telling me. And I had to completely redefine my relationship with all aspects of myself. You know, I had to find a way to befriend discomfort because you know when we're in the pursuit of our human or we're in the, the pursuit of what we desire and we're on our human journey you know whenever I use the word healing what I mean by the word healing is remembering and returning to wholeness mm -hmm. so healing isn't about fixing you're not broken you don't need fixing but healing is remembering and returning to wholeness and and remembering your wholeness, returning to wholeness is, I think, this thing that we remember and forget, remember and forget over and over and over again in yeah. our life. Because we have, as humans, I feel like we go through this persistent amnesia where we're like, <laughs> I've figured it out. I've got the answers. I know what I'm doing. And then fucking forgetting again. And it's just this continual yes. cycle. And I, I believe that's part of what our soul chose to experience coming back to Earth. But I feel like when we're in our journey, there are so many moments where discomfort arise, arises. And I believe that one of the most loving things that we can do for ourselves is to befriend discomfort. Yeah. To learn how to be in relationship with discomfort because it is ine it's an inevitable part of our life. And I feel like yet last year... That, you know, message became an embodied experience for me. It was like, yeah. Rachel, it's time to befriend discomfort. Discomfort doesn't mean you're unsafe. You can breathe through anything. And, you know, you and I both started on a huge, beautiful journey being in a year-long trauma-informed breathwork facilitator training and like somatic healing yeah. training and it was like, okay, I was delivered this like initiation because now the, like, I mean, I already was doing really deep work with people in the world, but this was like a whole new layer to like how deep I want to go with people and even like starting to 
step into the world of psychedelics and what gets to look like to facilitate those spaces too. It's like, I need to be in right relationship with discomfort. Yeah. And always. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's recognizing the aspects of, um, your relationship with discomfort that you, that are maybe the least developed yeah. You know, and for you, a big thing has been a lot of the physical stuff. Mm. Um, well, for one, your breath reduction surgery was deeply physically discomforted, like discomfortable, oh, yeah. uncomfortable. And, you know, you started doing cold exposure yes. with, with a lot of prodding from me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cold exposure has been a huge piece for me, um, handling, handling discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a, a, a real, this is, might be a good point to kind of talk about how sensations are just sensations. Yeah. They're just sensations. Like they're, they're, we give them meaning by how we perceive them and how we relate to them. Yes. And so something like the cold, so many people are like, oh, like the cold, I can't, I can't go into like a frozen lake. I'm going to die. Yeah. I'll die if I go in there, but you won't. <laughs> yeah. And we, we've gone in a frozen lake. Yeah. We literally, you sledgehammered a hole into a frozen lake for yeah. us to go into. <laughs> it was great. Just connecting to the, that. That primal energy. Yeah. It was hot. I like was videotaping you from the window being like, oh yeah. <laughs> Show me what those arms do. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know you go you go through these things and you you do it the first time you're like holy fuck like you stay in for 10 seconds like that was in, that was crazy so many sensations rushing through my body like how can i handle that mm. um you know make you it'll make you feel anxious feel stressed feel whatever right you don't you're 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 getting this jolt of adrenaline, this rush. Um, and for some people that can be really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but then you do it again and you do it again and you do it again and you learn that, Oh, okay. So this is just going to be this short thing. There's going to be this rush initially. Mm-hmm. You kind of understand the arc of the experience. Okay. There's going to be a lot and then it's going to kind of taper out. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be able to sort of connect to my breath. I'm going to be able to move my awareness to the surface of my skin and feel the sensation of cold. Mm-hmm. What does that feel like? It's like prickly pins and needles kind of thing. There's like this tightening mm-hmm. um, restriction at the surface of the skin. Like you, you start to develop a relationship with with the sensations Mm -hmm. and then that can expand to other areas of your life um you know the same is true with hot like heat exposure like sauna like that can also be deeply uncomfortable um but it's it's sort of at these extremes it's at these places where You're choosing to do this. I think that's actually a really big point, too. Yeah. You're choosing to intentionally make yourself uncomfortable. And in that, you're recognizing, you're building your capacity to say, like, oh, I can handle this. Yeah. Well, because it's like when we stop associating sensation with something negative... And we yeah. come to it with a more neutral curiosity yeah. and a surrendering into the sensation, right? It's like even in a breathwork journey, right? Yeah. Like so often in a breathwork journey, like even in the initial part, we'll tell people you're choosing to be here. It's safe to feel. It's safe to breathe. Sensation yeah. is welcome. Yeah. It's safe to feel sensation yeah. because so many people associate intense sensation with something being wrong yeah right and it's like in 
learning how to hold the wide range of sensation that comes with discomfort, that comes with even just doing these practices, right? It's like, like you said, it's, it's when you go into these things with the intentional understanding that you're going to be feeling sensation, well, in those experiences, you're expanding your window of tolerance. And therefore, when you are in life, you know, let's say something really emotionally stressful happens, you have more of a capacity to self-regulate. Yeah. You have an understanding of, okay, how can I breathe a little deeper into this? How can I hold the sensation in my body and come into regulation through Mm -hmm. breath, through sound, through movement? Through just being with it. Yeah, presence. Deep presence, that deep awareness. And I think in these experiences where it's like heat or like hot or cold exposure or breath work, you know, we, we really create a embodied experience of how to... To, to orient our nervous system to be able to hold mm-hmm. all of what we're experiencing. It's, it's this deep awareness and this orienting that happens. And I know for me, breath work, what, why it's been one of the most life changing things I have ever done is it literally taught me how to learn how to be with myself. Yeah. It has taught me how to, be deeply present with my feelings, how to process sensation, how to process emotion, how to process intensity. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're, we'll do a whole other episode on the benefits of breath work because that's yeah. a whole deep conversation that I know we'll go into. But even just understanding different types of breathing that can support me in cultivating a particular state of being, whether that be more energy or creating a sense of calm in my body. I mean, even the cold piece though, I mean, part of my healing of my panic attacks is also cold, Mm -hmm. like because of the influences that cold has on the vagus nerve. Yeah. So it's like all told, I just feel like being like you're saying, being intentional about immersing yourself in controlled experiences that put you in just in this uncomfortable energy deeply supports you in being able to hold the unexpected discomfort that happens in life yeah yeah well it's this concept of you stress you well you stress you stress <laughs> our silliness comes out. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it's this concept of eustress. And I think it's a really interesting and useful concept. It's good stress. It's mm. chosen stress, right? Like you get in the ice bath. That's stressful. That causes a whole cascade of hormones to be released, cortisol, adrenaline, norepinephrine, all these sorts of things, right? Um, which cause stress in the body. But when you're choosing to have that stress, it's a different mental state. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're able to say to yourself, oh, this is good for me. You're able to believe that this is good for you. And if you can create that, then it's, 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 it is good for you. It's a, it's a, short-term stress it's not chronic stress it's not this continuous thing and you know so it's the cold it's the heat it's the gym it's having difficult conversations it's putting yourself in uncomfortable situations all of this is stressful but it's good stress and and in that you're expanding yeah yeah it's it's so important too that we don't shy away from these use stress experiences because I think that 
a lot of people hear the word stress yeah. and it's just kind of blanket termed as this like terrible thing. And, you know, there's people that will even go as far as to like almost promote this idea of like everything should always be calm. Mm-hmm. Life should be this slow living. And it's yeah. like, yeah, and it's there balance. is need for harmony. Yeah. There is a need for knowing how to have like a, like a lot of different experiences and to know that yeah, like stress isn't inherently bad if it's in short bursts and you're being conscious about how you're experiencing it, you know? Because yeah, like like you said, going to the gym, that's a stressful thing on the body. Yeah. Going in an ice bath, that's a stressful thing in the body. Going in the sauna, stressful thing. Having different conversations, stressful thing. But we can't walk around life being like, I am not going to feel discomfort. I am only going to feel peace. Like, yes. that's not realistic. And it's and it's kind of like a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. Because then if you only know how to hold the sensation of calm, well, fuck, you're good fucking luck. Yeah. <laughs> good fucking luck, man. Like, that is yeah. not, that's not a sustainable approach. Yeah, well, and it's, and it's, it's almost... <sighs> It's almost doing these things that are stressful allows you to be relatively more calm Yes. in the stress. Yes. And it's like, you know, if all you know is calm, when stress comes, you don't know how to hold it. Yeah. But if you're intentionally putting yourself in super stressful situations, well, when you know, a regular day-to-day stress comes along. You're like, oh, fuck, this is nothing. Yeah. Like, do-do-do. Oh, yeah. You and, know? Well, and I think this is, like, briefly, just want to say that people often think that having a regulated nervous system means you're calm all the time. And that's mm. a fucking lie. Hmm. Having a regulated nervous system is a nervous system that's flexible. Yes. A flexible nervous system is a regulated nervous system. We're, like, being regulated does not mean that you're like the monk on the mountain that doesn't feel anything like that is not that is not what that means yes i think that a beautiful liberating experience in life is learning how to have a flexible nervous system yes and knowing how to come into that self-soothing self-regulation through practices that support your body your mind your spirit in being able to hold your humanity yeah you know and it's not about being perfect either right like i think that you know there are there's there's so much nuance right because there's some days let's say i'm in my spring or summer phase of my cycle Mm -hmm. i'm more chill you know my capacity in those phases of my menstrual cycle are way is way higher i'm I have more openness. I'm more capable of handling unexpected situations. I'm more capable of handling a lot of things. But then in my fall winter, so like my luteal and like actual bleed phase of my cycle, my capacity is lower. I'm way more sensitive. I'm way more like inward. And I think that that's also important to like remember is that as a person, and then particularly whether you're, if you're like a man or a woman, like you're going to have a different relationship with reality from like a physiological lens, yeah. right? Like if you are somebody who is a woman, like you have, you have, you have a very different cyclical experience of reality than a man does. Yeah. And so there's also a need for like awareness of where you're at in your cycle. Even if you are somebody who doesn't actually bleed, like you still are going to have hormonal fluctuations and experiences Mm -hmm. in your, in your life. And so it's like having an understanding of like, you know, especially if you are somebody who does go through and have a bleed each month, like, Knowing when you're, where you're at in your cycle, that's been like fucking revolutionary for me Mm -hmm. is knowing where I'm at in my cycle Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That has been such a autonomous, like beautiful gift that I've given myself so that I can be like, okay, I'm in my luteal phase. I know I'm going to be more inward. I know my capacity is going to be lower. I know that my like tolerance for discomfort is going to be lower. I might not feel like going to the gym and doing a bunch of heavy lifting. Yeah. My tolerance is lower. Yeah. But then if I know I'm in my ovulation phase, I'm like, let's fucking go, baby. Let's have tons of sex. Let's go to the gym. Let's go on hikes. Let's like, I'm like, give it to me. I can hold it all. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is a, a really interesting topic too, because it's like, okay, men, it's more like a 24 hour cycle. Yeah. Right. So we're, we're managing our energy over the course of 24 hours. Right. And this is, this is that piece of like finding harmony, finding balance of doing these stressful things, but simultaneously in the same day, having lots of rest. Yes. You need to, to the amount that you stress yourself out is to the amount that you need rest. Yeah. Um, and deep rest, whatever it is, right? There's also, we could have a whole conversation about rest, which would be an oh, interesting conversation. Oh, that will definitely have a conversation about that. And yes. um, so for a man, it's that, for a man, it's like that 24 hour cycle. But for a woman, it's this whole month cycle of like, well, you know, this chunk of time, ovulation, sort of like post bleed. Um, well, that's your follicular. Yeah. So it goes follicular, ovulation, luteal. And yeah. Like so, yeah. So I'm saying like the follicular and ovulation phase is yeah, where you're yeah. in your spring, summer, summer. Yeah. Right. And then so that's, that's the time where you're using a lot more energy. Yeah. Whereas in the fall, winter you're kind of more restful. And so it's it's thinking about it on a on that larger time scale versus the 24-hour cycle that is more typical for men. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's and I think having that understanding is so helpful in relationship too. Mm-hmm. Because you know, whereas like you you know might schedule your life based on that 24-hour cycle. Yeah. It's like you know, I'll be fucking damned if I'm acting the same way in my <laughs> my fucking luteal, deep luteal phase versus ovulation phase. Like I am, I am fundamentally a different person. Yeah. Like even just the past few days, because I'm, I'm coming into my ovulation after my follicular. I'm like, let's have tons of sex. Like I'm like, <laughs> let's fucking go. Like I'm so into it, you know. But then like if I as I get closer to like the latter half of my luteal, I'm like. Uh, just you know I just really don't touch me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know and that's just like yeah a natural like natural way that my body is mm-hmm. that isn't to say that we won't have sex if I feel like it in that or phase cuddle. of my cycle but intimacy may look different exactly yeah. like I may be craving cuddling more or yeah. like you giving me a back rub or you know, quality time, like the intimacy that I crave in that phase may look different. Whereas like in this phase of my cycle, not only do I have tons of sex, but I also want to like go on lots of adventures and I'm like, let's spend quality time together where we're like doing lots of fun stuff. Yeah. And so it's just having, yeah, compassion and understanding of like these different phases to support, you know, how you actually are holding yourself and like having that capacity for how you are holding all of life as well. Definitely. Huh, hmm. I feel like this is probably a, a good place to start to wind, stop. Wind it down. I'd be curious though, you know, I guess like what's, let's say somebody is looking to develop a relationship with discomfort mm-hmm. and you know, they're looking to expand their capacity. Like what would be, you know, I don't know, like your top three things that you would suggest somebody do to deepen their capacity for discomfort. Okay. I would say first, first things first is take an assessment of your life um, from many different perspectives. So it's like, one, what do you want to be able to do? Like mm-hmm. what, what are the things that are important in your life and is your lack of capacity in one particular area affecting the things that you want to do in life? Mm. Right. So say, say you want to be physical. So you've got all these like physical things that are interesting in your life, like 
you want to do sports, you want to go on hikes, you want to have more sex, you want to whatever. Um, what's your physical capacity? Mm. Is it is it to a level that will meet those needs? Mm. What's your emotional capacity? Like, look at these different capacities in your life. And if they're lacking or if you find that there is space to grow, and there's always space, but if there's space to grow to a, a point where it feels... Um, you feel you need to grow, then those are the areas that you want to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would say start slow mm. with whatever the practice is. Um, for physical discomfort, I think that a huge one is like cold. Cold is a huge one that can just be having your regular shower and then switch to cold at the end. Yeah. And just sort of feel the sensation. Don't label it as this is bad. Just feel it Mm -hmm. and handle it, you know, Um, and do it for 30 seconds. And then maybe the next time you bump it up to 45 seconds and you kind of get longer and longer. And maybe you get to a point where you just go full cold. That's what I do. In the mornings, I'll have a cold shower and I'll just literally... Turn the shower on to cold and get in. <laughs> yeah. And maybe I'll count down from four before I like actually get under the water. But you continuously expand. Um, and the sort of last piece that I would sort of say is do practices that will expand your awareness. Mm. Because... Awareness is the foundation of all of this, right? Like you need to be able to recognize the sensations in your body to be able to handle them. Yeah. Right? Like if you can't recognize like, oh, this is what cold feels like. This is what hot feels like. This is what certain emotions feel like. Like what do they feel like in your body? So this could look like meditating, Mm-hmm. This could look like doing breath work and really scanning through your body as you're changing. You're going through these uh, sensation waves, right? Um, this could look like going to the gym and being really present with yourself as you're as you're working. Um. <laughs> Our other cat, Felix, get out of here, you cowboy. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's probably a good. Is there anything you want to add onto that? <laughs> Just that Felix is a fucking maniac. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think everything that you said really resonates and very much amplifying what you said. I think that the awareness piece is huge, and I love the invitation of, you know, taking those like incremental like steps towards holding more sensation because you know it's also important to remember that intensity doesn't always need to equal the biggest transformation Mm. and that a lot of beautiful big change can happen in like the seemingly mundane day-to-day moment-to-moment experiences and so you don't always have to go chasing the big profound intense experiences to to radically change your life or your relationship with life and yourself i think that a lot of things can happen in what seems yeah the the the, the more mundane things and definitely the foundation of all of it is awareness and mm-hmm. i think that it's also important for people to remember that it is the day to day He's such a little fucker. Um, <laughs> He's stuck. <laughs> okay, so come back here. Fuck, he's funny. Um, that so much trans- transformation is, it, it occurs moment to moment in mm-hmm. the day-to-day decisions and the actions. And so don't just be somebody who chases big transformational experiences like don't be somebody who's like oh like 
I'm going to go do this big ayahuasca journey and then do zero integration, you know, or like be somebody who is someone, oh my God, sorry, our cat is literally on another He's fucking a level. He's basically a dog. Like we call him a puppy cat because he is, he has the energy of a, of a, a fucking puppy and it's a wild experience. So anyways, um, as I was saying, it's really important to not be somebody who just constantly seeks big experiences and then there's no integration. There's no day-to-day accountability or devotion Mm -hmm. to that transformation. And so all the practices that you shared are really practical day-to-day experiences that people can start to utilize and start to be curious about and start to develop a deepening in their awareness so that they can have the ability to see like when they're participating in self-sabotage or when they're believing a story that isn't actually in alignment with who they want to be. And so I'm really excited for everyone that's listening to start to explore these concepts and really Mm -hmm. deepen their, their capacity to hold and to befriend discomfort. Yes. Well, my love, my love, time to go eat some breakfast and everyone that is listening. Thank you so much for being here with us. We're so deeply excited about this community that we're building. We're so excited about where this podcast will go. We are Mm -hmm. so grateful that you're here. It would mean so much to us if you could follow our podcast if you could leave a five-star review, it'll help other people see and hear this show. And we will see you very soon. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Talk soon.